podcast? Um, it, it was really nice. Uh, I'm remembering it got unexpectedly emotional. Uh-huh. Um, John had asked, and you know, it was they weren't gotcha questions. He just asked about, uh, you know, tell me about your time as a Saluki uh, when you were at SIU. And the question that got me was, uh, what were there any like words of advice, like words of wisdom uh, that were given to you while you were here? And I said there there weren't any uh, specific words that you know, like a quote that I could recall, but it was the way that I was made to feel. Um, and I, you know, I'm I, like even my mind right now. I'm wondering like how much of this story can I tell, or am I going to cry again if I tell this story? Um, <laughs> But, you know, kind of long story short, you know, I didn't come from a world where college was a thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I tell this story of when I first um, registered for class at Logan, because I did two years out at Logan first, I went in to sign up, met with an advisor, or found the paperwork, and he asked name, address, fill it out. And he asked, well, what do you want to major in? And I, in all seriousness, I said, well, but whatever most people major in. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? And I said, you know, I you know, whatever kind of the standard path or the standard thing is, like, I'm I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. And he asked me a couple more times, and and I can tell that he's getting frustrated by me not really answering his question. Mm -hmm. And so I I just kind of stopped and I said, I'm sorry, but I don't know what that means. Like, what do you, what to major, I don't know, what do you mean by that? He's like, are you kidding, like, (laughs) are you kidding me? Like, I think he's, you know, I, looking back, I assume he probably thought, like, am I trolling him? Like, Uh what's going on here? Um, so he explains to me, you know, it means like, well, kind of like, why are you here? What do you want to study? What do you want to do? What do you want to be? And he asked, have you not done like your pre-advisement work with your guidance counselor in high school? And I said, well, I, we didn't have a guidance counselor, uh, my senior year of high school. And he's like, oh boy, like this is going to be, this is going to be fun. Uh-huh. So anyway, uh, he asked, well, what do you like? I said, I like history. And he said, do you want to teach it? And I said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, uh, this, I think, when school starts for us in a couple of weeks, I think this would be 18 years. So 18 years later. <laughs> well, I won't go too much further into that story because that story exists on the podcast is Saluki Stories. Yes. Saluki Stories. Right. That is hosted by, do I have this right? Why did I just forget John's last name? John Pollitz. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hosted by John Pollitz. Guest number 17 on the WTF Carbondale podcast. It's our first crossover opportunity. Just kind of natural. It works together. So check out Saluki Stories podcast. You can get it wherever your podcast exists. uh, And you can hear some of Michael's story and so many other Saluki stories uh, as well. But for this podcast, we're we're going to do the WTF Carbondale one. Uh, Where we talk to interesting people about their interesting lives. And we figure out how to mute our audio on our camera this time, so it's not so echoey. Oh, and we tie it all back to Carbondale, this little place we call home. Michael Tao, my guest, episode 83. I'm so excited, man. <laughs> I'm like, here's the deal. You are a fan of what I do, or at least you're engaged as a fan in the world that I kind of help to macerate out there in, in the digital space. And in that time, in that space watching your interactions. I have become a fan of you and I didn't realize when I brought this up before the podcast that where we were gonna strike gold was I'm not the only person that feels this way about you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like you're, you're, you're kind of this little internet sensation to the people around you. Okay. 
I'm flattered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, you know, we talked a little bit about it um, earlier, and I thought it just kind of happened. Like, you know, what I mean, like it wasn't a, a purposeful, uh, you know, thought out post or comments or whatever. It just free flowing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of there. Uh, that's too funny. Well, and I mean, in free flowing, almost is kind of a good descriptor for your relationship with kind of the the area. Right, that this you know you you're not just like ah oh, Carbondale's my home and that's where I stake my roots and this that the other like you're very much into Southern Illinois kind of as a as a as a whole. Sure, mm-hmm. tell me about it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, I know. It's I I moved away. Uh, it'll be five years ago, uh, just like in a couple weeks, and I'm trying to like off the top of my head trying to count like well, how many times have I come back here. And, you know, one of the conversations I had with someone, uh, you know, this last week, uh, week and a half that I was in town, they were like, you know, like, well, what do you think about Carbondale now? I'm like, well, I still come here. I think this is my actually my second trip home this year. Yeah. Because uh, I came here on spring break for a few days. Um, yeah, you know, it's changing, but I, you know, it's, it's still home and, you know, it'll always be home. And no matter how long I stay in Seattle, like this is still going to be home. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's good. I mean, it's just to, just to feel like rooted in a place. Yeah. And, you know, like we had kind of also talked about, like, I, it, it's so hard, like when people ask, like, where, where am I from? Yeah. Like, that's a really hard question for me to answer. Um, you know, like I didn't, I, I, you know, I, I honestly didn't grow up in Carbondale. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm very Carbondale adjacent. Yeah. Um, my, you know, when I was a kid, home life was, was pretty rough. Uh, and I bounced around between uh, my dad lived in Virginia's, um, and then I had uh, my maternal grandparents lived in Elkville, and then I had a great grandmother in Virginia's and a great grandmother in Murfreesboro, and you know I was kind of constantly bouncing around uh, between all those places. But I drew my very first breath in Carbondale, so <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've I've said I would be okay if I draw my last one here, but I want to wait a little while. That's fair. <laughs> Yeah, um, we're, we're not rushing to a grave. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, grew up uh, in uh, or around Carbondale, um, and I think I it took me a while to really kind of figure this out. But folks who grew up around Carbondale but not in it mm-hmm. had a had I think at least for me had a kind of a very different uh, feel for Carbondale. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am glad that over time I was able to reconcile those two, um, or kind of you know bridge those two views, I guess, of Carbondale. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you know, obviously, my first real uh, kind of interaction down here was uh, was going to SIU. Um, probably was more involved in Carbondale in grad school mm-hmm. uh, than undergrad. I was I was horribly horribly shy, very you know very <laughs> much you know still in my shell. Um, when I was an undergrad, so didn't, you know, did not get involved in, in Carbondale stuff at all. Because uh-huh. um, I, um, at the time I was living with my dad, so I would, um, I would commute, I'd come to school uh, in the morning, do my stuff, and then get out. And usually would go back, um, my dad ran a truck stop in Murfreesboro, and mm-hmm. so I would usually go there um, and work um, a little bit in the evenings or just kind of hang out, so. Nice. Yeah. That's <laughs> truck stop work. Yeah. What, how does that how does that play into teaching? What is it like? To, like, all right, well, we're coming in, we're stopping for a year, we're getting up and yeah. we're going. All right. A of, yeah, a lot of transfer skills. Right. <laughs> that's that's the trick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, well, you know, that kind of plays into the, uh, again, not to take too much from the Slicky Stories podcast, but that was kind of, you know, part of the, um, the background of that story of me going to sign up for classes and not knowing, like, what does this mean? I don't know what, what to major in something. I don't know what that means. Yeah. You know, and so I, I just, I didn't come from a world where, where college was even on the, like, really even an option. Mm-hmm. Um, dad, grandfather, all the, all the males on my dad's side were mechanics. Um, on my mom's side, uh, grandfather, great-grandfather, all my uncles were coal miners. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, as I have said it, I accidentally got a scholarship. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, changed everything. How does, so. how does having two really like roles of lore to the Southern Illinois story, mm-hmm. right? Being two key stories that feed directly into you, right? The coal miner and the mechanic, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the folks that work with their hands in a grimy, dirty way to keep the rest of the world around us moving mm-hmm. during an industrial era, like is, is just having those feed into your like you know individual per you know personality um kind of help to guide some of the interest in history and and kind of the just working class interest in history yeah i I definitely think so um the 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 coal mine stuff um it's it's something that i've always kind of wanted to to look a little bit more into Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I wasn't very, I wasn't, I wasn't near as connected to my mom's side of the family as my dad's. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom left, I think I was in fifth grade and I didn't really know her again, um, until I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was, you know, there was just that disconnect with, with mom's side. Um, but then, um, when I got in, involved, interested in family history, mm-hmm. I learned that my great grandfather, uh, they were all from St. Louis and they came down uh, to uh, Williamson County over to Bush and worked mm-hmm. the coal mines. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, just kind of knowing like those migration patterns and, you know, things, stuff like that was cool to, to learn about, um, you know, how it helps my identity, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the social components to history. I, I just, you know, I, I, I don't have, you know, a lot of context about what you like about the subject specifically, but it seems like that that component to you know not not just numbers behind it, but the relational you know right. the relationship aspect of yeah, and that's definitely what what did it for me. Um, it was the stories, you know, the, the storytelling, which all history, you know, good good teaching of history, that's what it I guess should be, you know. Yeah. Um, the 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 story that I usually will tell when someone asks like, well, you know, what got you interested in history. Um, the great grandmother that lived in Murfreesboro that I had mentioned, um, I was the first. I was I was I was not her first great grandchild, but I was the first one born after my great grandpa died, mm-hmm. and so I think um, that you know from from the beginning kind of formed a bond uh, mm-hmm. between us, and um, like at a certain period in elementary school, that's where I went after school. Um, and in the back bedroom, she had a cedar chest that was just full of just random artifacts that her mm-hmm. and my great grandpa had picked up on vacations or whatever. And it was almost, you know, almost like every day when I would first get there, we'd like go into the back bedroom and sit on the bed and she'd open up, up the cedar chest and she'd pull out some random thing and, mm-hmm. you know, tell me the story about it. And, um, and then that's, you know, that's what kind of got me hooked. And, uh, and then the other great other great grandmother that lived in Virginia's, um, her family was you know one of the founding families, and so you know she was always telling me about uh, the history of the town or whatnot. So, mm-hmm. 
yeah, it, no, it was the it was the storytelling, hearing stories from my dad, uh, hearing stories from the. Uh, if you could imagine a truck stop in Murfreesboro, the, the, <laughs> the, yeah, the cast of characters who came through that place uh -huh. over the years, a um, lot of, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, the, it was the storytelling, it was that human connection because, um, you know, in my childhood, I didn't really, I didn't have that. Yeah. Uh, didn't really have that uh, connection. Um, and then found that in uh, the stories of other people. Yeah. So either, either hearing them, he, you know, hearing their stories firsthand, uh, or now, you know, researching uh, people and writing about them. What's it, what's it like being able to, to, to bridge the gap between past and future when you kind of take, uh, you know, the, your, your philosophy of, of story to the classroom? Um, the first thing that came to mind was I think it's getting harder yeah. because nobody wants to sit and listen to a person tell a story anymore. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if it's not a... TikTok video or whatever, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, you know, I, I I say that, but even as I say, like, in my mind is saying, like, well, if it's still a good story or it's still a good storyteller, then they're gonna listen. Yeah. So, um, I guess the way that applies to my life is, you know, try to find, you know, keep finding either new stories to tell or uh, better ways to tell them to yeah. keep, you know, keep students uh, engaged. If we, you know, if we want to translate that into the classroom. Do you, do you think that the technology is making it more difficult for folks to better understand how to, how to tell their story? Like, instead of having to really grasp on the, the oration and the interpersonal component that it's a screen-first story as opposed to a face-first story. I think, what the, I think what the challenge is, um, and this happens to me as well, um, realizing that that's still a real person with a real story mm -hmm. because, you know, I just know with me, and I know this is for, you know, millions of people the same way, what's the first and last thing we do every day? We, you know, yep. scroll social media, and it's just like that, it's a pastime now, and um, yeah, like I think it's, it's, you know, there are times like you may see a very uh, emotional video or something's very meaningful, mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, cool, scroll, 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 uh, yeah. blah, blah, <laughs> put it down, and go about my day, and like we just, it's, I don't think it sinks in um, as deep as a, a, an in-person story would. What do you what do you see as a way to get better digestion of these things in our modern world? I mean, is and it, and it could be something as as like like what we're doing right now, like is what we're doing right now yeah. part of the way to to kind of break through. You know what is almost kind of the distraction media culture and get into the enriched media mm -hmm. um, you know presentation I, uh, now you got me thinking <laughs> well, yeah um, my answer would I guess would be and I, I tried to do this um, with my students try to draw a connection to their personal life mm -hmm. um, and that's something that I think history teachers especially uh, that's a skill that that we need because who cares, you know, this stuff that happened 3,000 years ago, like, whoop-de-doo, you know, like, I, I got homework tonight, like, how's this yeah. going to, whatever, you know. Um, so I think one way is, in some way, to try to always uh, connect it to their life. Mm -hmm. um, 
because I just know I'm thinking of well, what are the types of you know online content or whatever that I enjoy and that I find myself really um, you know committing to long-term memory, mm-hmm. and it's stuff that it may not even have a lesson, but it's something that I can like oh like I you know that he talked about that and I can remember like I faced something kind of like that you know so well and I I love the mm-hmm. the the idea of long-term memory and kind of what we get from that so on on the 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 podcast just before this one, 8082 with Carrie O'Dell. And Carrie works at the, the Library of Congress and, and is a writer. Um, and, and a lot of the kind of the same, <laughs> uh, you know, synopsis of fire with, with mm-hmm. you, fire with, fire with Carrie. And where am I going with this, Nathan? You just got long in the tooth on your, on your talking, <laughs> and now you're getting lost in your statement. Um, wow. Just Carrie O'Dell. Carrie O'Dell. Not the story, not this. Oh, um, the, the, um, the reality of what happened, not necessarily the takeaways that we present as the history of what we want to think happened in a particular way. And his, his specific um, reference was to uh, women in radio and television from the 1950s to, to now and what representation uh, you know of, of actual life in the 50s and 60s was for women in television and it, it wasn't just this uh, what he referred to as kind of this Stepford Wives like sheen that we that we like to pretend it was there were real characters on TV that per- portrayed an array of real life circumstances uh, that folks would would portray. So you know the the getting to the uh, you know he said the the thing itself mm-hmm. um, with with the history and referencing that back to what brought me into that <laughs> ditch that I managed <laughs> to steer into uh, <laughs> um, and just uh, just being that uh, the the real history is what you're looking to get people to latch onto, not just this. Here, take it, go run with it. And did you ever really comprehend it to begin with? Mm. That you want to avoid. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, if, yeah, and if I'm understanding where we're at in the ditch right now, yeah, correctly. Sorry, man. Sorry. No, I, I can just like jump away and we can just go talk about baseball. Because that's really where, how bad I just like um, careened off on that part of the conversation. No, we were, you know, <laughs> we were talking about just, you know, like trying to, if I, to try to keep it real or make it real, make, yeah. make, try to try to make this history uh, feel real. And one of the things that I I feel or hope that I've always done well, and you know my my principals have, have always said this, is that ability to uh, draw to the the ability to draw this old stuff that kids aren't going to care about mm-hmm. to modern day stuff. Yeah. Like if I'm I'm you know. I, I'm so out of school mode right now. It's, it's, <laughs> it's summer break, but I'm trying to think of for a, a few more days. Yeah. When do you guys go back to school in Seattle? Uh, the uh, two weeks from yesterday, uh, Thursday before Labor Day. Okay. The twenty sixth. Yeah, so you go Thursday, Friday, uh-huh. three day weekend, and then we're in it. <laughs> but, uh, now I'm now I lost myself. Oh, uh, just yeah, you know whatever, talking about this ancient civilization mm-hmm. and be like, well, you know, that's just like uh, this thing today where, you know, we all still have the same human, uh, we all still have the same basic human needs. 
we all pretty much want the same thing, mm -hmm. whatever, societies need this, these are the problems that we always face, whatever. Um, so, you know, and just, again, trying to make it, tr try to think of it, and I know I'm struggling to do it right now. No, you're okay. Um, but try to find a real life example. Um, we were, but yeah, try a real life example that they can relate to. I mean, if you, if you want to talk about, uh, you know, just, and, and maybe this isn't as close to real life for, uh, you know, a, a student here in the, in the States, but uh, connecting something like, uh, you know, Alexander the Great in Afghanistan to America now in Afghanistan, right? Like what is the modern parallel to what has occurred in history? Ah, yeah. the, the fall of Rome. What does right. that look like in mm -hmm. this day and age? Yeah. I, you know, We're whatever. still doing imperialism. <laughs> is that what yeah. this is? Okay. Right. A territory? What is it? That's, yeah. That's not a, oh, okay. That's what that is. All mm -hmm. right. I get it now. Uh, no, that <laughs> when you you'd uh, just because I've I've managed to just scrap that whole. I'm sorry, man. I That's all right. I, I I'm usually pretty good about staying on track and just kind of getting in, asking my ask, and then and then and then mm -hmm. getting out of it and getting. So back it keeps to it guess. real. But keeps this real. That, that, that is that is the truth. That's why I give it an hour. Mm -hmm. If there's a if there's a burn ten minutes, so be it. That's on me. No, uh -huh. um, but you said you said pastime, right? You referred to uh, the the phrase pastime and that kind of teed up in my mind baseball okay. right and I just I the the baseball <laughs> thing with you is is I mean it's it's as American as apple pie right like that's kind of the 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 uh, well okay maybe not the, the yeah, yeah it cliche. is I like, oh, no, I don't like the cliches of it well yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah no yeah it's, it is go ahead sorry no 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 yeah. it's no it's on you I'm handing over uh, yeah and the 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 whole baseball research and writing stuff that I've been doing, uh, for me, it has it has been the silver lining of pandemic. Yeah. Um, it, you know, for me, I I was happy to get back to that. Uh, I had done a lot. I mean, obviously, being a a, a history major, you know, both in um, undergrad and grad school, both mm -hmm. did a lot of research, did a lot of writing. Um, I was very fortunate to get some uh, some stuff published very early on. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Journal of the Illinois State Historical Society published some things that I had written, and then I had done a lot of writing for the Jackson County Historical Society. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, then as as life happened, I you know just convinced myself that well, I don't have time for that anymore. Um, and then you know, got to other things or whatever. Pandemic happened. Our school shut down uh, pretty early because Seattle was the first American city that was really hit uh, oh, by yeah, COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there was like a, from what I kind of remember, about a four-week period where we didn't know like our our, our school administrators uh, called us and we came into school this this one last day, um, and they told us we don't know what we're gonna we don't know what's gonna be asked of us to ask of you to do the rest of the school year, so take anything out of your room you think you might possibly need, and you know in in preparation of we're probably gonna teach you're probably gonna you know teach remotely teach from home the rest of the year, mm -hmm. and then go have a nice day. What just that concept of remote learning? How foreign was it at the time to think of? teaching a class from a computer screen i i no no <laughs> i nope i said many times i would rather just go lay down in the street like i nope i hated it i i just i think back to i had um uh i think it was my senior year of high school um 
Elvarado had linked up with Johnny Logan, and we did the like back then what was distance learning, and it was horrible. I mean, you know, it was the tech aspect then, of course, was not what it is today. Yeah. But I just knew as a learner, I don't learn anything like that. I don't learn anything from a screen. You know, mm -hmm. watching someone talk at me from a uh, from a computer screen or back then a TV screen. Um, so yeah, and I. And, and the thing that was really a struggle for me when I was in high school, uh, I was really good with CAD, the mm -hmm. uh, computer automated drafting, I mm -hmm. think it uh, mm -hmm. was. And my teacher told me, like, you should really, like, there's good money in this. You should really pursue that. Like, mm -hmm. you're good at it. You should really pursue it as a career. And even then, at I was probably 17 at the time, mm -hmm. although I had honestly no idea what I was going to do. This was even, this was pre-scholarship. Yeah. So I think in my mind, I thought, well, I'll probably be a mechanic like my dad and grandpa and everything. Um, but even, even me not knowing what I wanted to do really at all, I knew I could not sit in front of a computer screen. I could not, I could not have a job where I sat, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours a day in yeah. front of a computer screen. Well, that came around to bite me too. <laughs> but and that yeah that was just the <laughs> my brain doesn't engage the same way uh -huh. you know i when i very first started teaching um it was not at all uncommon for me to still be at school eight nine ten o'clock at night just yeah. preparing for the next day and i was on a fast track to burnout and when i you know then like my transition was you you got you have to stop this you've got to separate this is work time this is this is home this is relaxing time yeah. And so then, like, like phase two was I felt like I did a pretty good job of, of knowing when my time is my time and keeping it that way. Mm -hmm. So then phase three is, you know, pandemic where you've got to combine those things. Like you're mm -hmm. at home where you should be doing the things you want to do, uh -huh. but you got to be working. And it was, it, was, it was tough. Like it was a lot of, of rewiring for me. But I think, I'm just, and this is really the first time I've kind of reflected back on the last year and a half. Um, I think, or at least I hope, um, it helped me understand the students' struggle because they were that was their same struggle. Like, well, I'm at home. Like, I want to play Fortnite or Roadblocks or uh, Minecraft, whatever we're playing today. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and I, I got to the point to where I had to really uh, adjust what I was looking for from them and realizing that unless I'm there at their house, there are so many things I, I, just, I don't have control over and I have to accept that I don't have control over this. And yeah, I feel like the answer, that was the answer to a totally different question. No, but that's, that, I mean, <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is where we go in these we conversations, man. Yeah. See, uh, <clears throat> that's, and I'm sure now going back into school again, same concept. I can only control what I can control. Right. In a very different format. Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm looking forward to this year, and I yeah. say that very cautiously because I'm like, <laughs> what's gonna what's gonna blow up? Right. Um, yeah, because we our school we went back fourth quarter. Uh, we went well. We went oh, hybrid. Right, right. Yeah, we went hybrid for fourth quarter. I think my biggest class was like seven kids. Yeah. Um, so I was doing teaching those seven in person, and then the others uh, through Zoom. Uh, two jobs for the pay of one. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, and it was it was just cool to be around people again. I know we've all you know we've all felt that we can probably all relate to that. It was just it was nice to be around people again, um, instead of looking at their black blank Zoom screens. 
Yeah. I got my socialization in one weekly stream concert at a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it was the way to. I mean, that that was that was it. It's like, all right, cool. This is this is what you get, and you, it's, it all it almost it feels dangerous doing it, but here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Let's give it a run. Ha! Mm-hmm. Huh. It's crazy stuff, man. And I, what what is the what is the outlook like in Seattle right now for you guys? I'm sure it looks much different than Illinois does, or at least I hope it looks different than Illinois does at the moment. Um, I I have not opened my work email since the last day of school, so I I don't know. How, um, how, I mean, have you been have you been gone from Seattle for a while now? Like like on, like on vacation? Yeah. Um, uh, well, we I would say in the last. Uh, it's, I'm like struggling because time is so irrelevant now. Uh, <laughs> Ain't that the truth? The last three weeks, uh, probably been in Seattle three or four days. Okay, cool. Um, and then, as far as I know, things are supposed to be normal. Um, but I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm near certain that uh, we wear, we'll be wearing masks in the classroom again. Yeah. Uh, our enrollment is down, uh, and that uh, caused some issues, um, like with budget stuff and you know teachers getting cut and all that stuff. Um, so the 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 only thing the last thing slash only thing i have heard is that we are expecting about a 20 percent loss in enrollment um 20%? yeah is that because people have literally just left the metropolitan area with their families some folks have left and um others uh our district's doing a uh, a virtual academy for okay. those families who are choosing not to send their students back into the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing a, a separate, it's almost, I mean, it's also like a, a whole other school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, each building in our district had to sacrifice one teacher who would then only do the, the online stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way classroom, you know, the rest of us classroom teachers were focused on the kids in the classroom, yeah. not worrying about Zoom. And I can go the rest of my life without ever hearing that word. Um, so yeah, so that's, I mean, I'm, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I'm glad I, I, I can't even do a podcast over, you know, just cause I mean, it doesn't interest me, right? I want to be in the room with somebody and talk to them yeah. and have like a real like interpersonal interaction mm-hmm. where it's not just hi mm-hmm. and you feel like yeah. you're not really talking to another person, you're yeah. talking to a screen. Let's do an icebreaker. Let's not. <laughs> Let's yeah. not. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't waste any more of my time. <laughs> um, Better yet, just email me. Yeah, just this isn't even need God. to be a meeting. No, no, <laughs> doesn't. <laughs> so, is that, like, do you do you really like cherish the the physical media component of uh, you know looking into history? Then, like, uh, you know. A paper letter yeah. a a old photograph a painting a figurine a mm-hmm. a model you know any number of things that represent somebody's work but it's not just an image on a computer screen right absolutely absolutely um i yep i still read books uh <laughs> um, i i this has been a few years ago uh i was flying somewhere probably flying back home uh, on summer break and I was reading something on the plane, and I, you know, I always like have a pencil when I'm reading to yeah. make notes or whatever. And I think the the person across the aisle asked, like, "Are you a teacher?" I'm looking at her like, uh, "Do I know you?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yes." And she said, "Well, I just, you know, I saw, you know, you're, you're reading with a pencil and making notes, so I just assumed." And I was like, "Oh, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah." So absolutely, like, you know, books. 
you know, I, I know my brain works much differently when it's when it's a, a physical hard copy of, mm -hmm. of a book. Um, you know, and and with my own writing now, it's like I not that I didn't realize it before, but it's even you know more to the front of my mind, like how much effort that takes, like how much you know time and and all the work that goes into making um, that you know the the book. Um, you know, I don't mean like you know, gluing the pages together, but like the, the writing part, you know, getting it published, the editing, revising, all that stuff. Um, yeah, so I know I prefer physical media, um, photographs for sure. Um, you know, because a lot of the things that I look into, a lot of things that I like to research, it's pretty rare to find a photograph of some of that stuff, yeah. you know, because a lot of it is, um, I guess, you know, currently it's a lot of local history, small town type stuff and just you know, photography wasn't, you know, people just didn't think, let's get a picture of this, or they yeah. didn't have the means to, to capture it, yeah. Well, something like a, a, just an unreal percentage of pictures taken have just been taken in the past 15 years, right? yeah. since the invention of the, of the smartphone mm -hmm. in the, you know, it, essentially the, the iPhone generation as we see it now. It's mm -hmm. just like the, we, we don't, we don't understand what, image making decades and decades ago like just as sure. the, the the gravity of it at the time yeah I, I guess for for some folks and mm -hmm. for others it's just like ah it's just like it always ever was when, <laughs> when's the last time anyone ever went to a photo studio yeah I, I was just thinking um i have a um a, a, a photo of my uh it's my great great grandparents uh, on the farm up at Ava mm -hmm. and someone like gave it to me they found it like going through some old stuff knew you know that I was probably the only person in that branch of the family that would be interesting like mm -hmm. that and they dropped it off at dad's gas station one time <laughs> um, so anyway, and it's 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 they're just they're standing out in front of this log house they had built and as I researched like the photographer it was it was his thing to at that time like 1890s just you know, have his wagon and go to these rural farms and ask the families, like, you know, would you like a, you know, give me a quarter and I'll take a picture of your farm and, uh -huh. you know, you can have it. And I just thought, like, for them, like, how big of a, like, whoa, like, that's, we must, but we, like, we've made it. Like, you know, that must be a really big deal. Or, you know, and you, and you see uh, photos of families who would go to the studio. And I just think, like, how big of a production that would have been for them. Yeah. Um, yeah and it's just, so it, it's cool. Cool to see that. Now, I guess the flip side is: Are you seeing that real person? Like we know they didn't dress like that every day, but mm -hmm. anyway. What does what did preservation look like of these these artifacts? Right. I mean, did people have an idea to kind of try and find a way to stash it away and store it and preserve it so it didn't wear and 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 become uh, you know degraded over time or? Um, I mean, now that's definitely the push. You know, I can remember. Uh, like when scrapbooking became the big thing, the mm -hmm. archival paper, acid-free paper, the uh, whatever type of plastic pages and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I sometimes I kind of just kind of like, really? Like, you know, like, like this, <laughs> this photo I've got from the, you know, 1890s, like it probably was in a drawer, you know, in a dusty, dirty old cabin for, you know, a hundred years and like, it looks just fine. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, and like, you know, yesterday I was doing a lot of scanning um, of some old photos um, for, for, uh, for this, one of these baseball projects I'm working on, and they were still in this old, 
Um, you know, uh, the old like yellowed scotch tape was still in this old scrapbook mm-hmm. and yeah. Um, and it, I know that like, you know, the person I was talking with yesterday is like, you know, I want to, I should like have these all scanned and digitized and, and whatnot. Um, so they can preserve a little bit longer. Does for you, does digitization add to, or kind of detract from some of this? You know, just that presence of the of the hand of physical yeah. media. To me, it detracts a little bit from it, but at the same time, like I am so like super fortunate that that these photos that I you know have been scanning and whatnot that they existed at all in the yeah. first place, and two that they have survived. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's it's so cool just like to hold it because it's like I know that probably you know probably the person in this photograph you know, waited for whatever, a week, two weeks, yeah. and then they, they held it also. Like, they held it. They were proud of it. They showed, uh, you know, the family, like, yeah. you know, here's this thing, whatever. Yeah. Wow. And they would probably not have even had much of a reference point there. So, I mean, you know, the the, the, the thought of how grand it could be in somebody's mind, of right. just what, a, what an image would have meant mm-hmm. 150 years ago. Right. Huh. That's interesting. I mean, I, I've just, you know, I talk about the the other side the the modern side of media a lot on this podcast just mm-hmm. think about it a lot in general and to this really like stops me dead in my tracks to have to like think about it in the completely different way than what we've become accustomed to right in terms of how we think of media in in, in this modern world huh I've had, thanks, to, I've had to print out Facebook photos to give to my parents because. <laughs> <laughs> that's a classic that's a classic uh hey it's at some point in time we'll be like can you can you take this hologram and just put it on youtube yeah. for me so that i can just watch it on mm-hmm. a screen instead of in 3d around me maybe right. that'll be the <laughs> when we're when we're old and gray that'll yeah kind of alexa materialize that yeah. <laughs> there it is yeah. Alexa material yeah. that that that's that's actually quite funny. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna uh, if I could like you can use that, that you can use that. That's yeah. that's what I needed. My, that's what I needed. Yeah. The, okay. All right. So so speaking of of comedy and things that will that will happen in bars. That's a that's a good enough segue for me. Is the, uh, starting to run into students that are growing up. So has has high school always been what you've taught, or have you? Before I went to Seattle, so uh, when I was here. Uh, nine years high school. Um, mm-hmm. I taught five at uh, Elkville, uh, and then I taught at a, uh, t- at Giant Logan uh, College for a year and a half, and then four at Carbondale. Uh, and then when I got to Seattle, for whatever reason, high school jobs are very hard to find. Huh. Um, it's yeah, I don't, I don't like what the dynamic is, but it just there's there's so very, there's such very little turnover at the high school level out there. Mm-hmm. So the first year I was there, I was a substitute because um, I, you know, I, this is a whole brand new territory for yeah. me. So I wanted to sub um, just to see, like, oh, this is a school, like, yeah, I'd like to apply for a job here, or uh, nope, I want to work, don't want to ever work at this one. So then um, uh, after that next school year, uh, school's about to start. Long story short, got a phone call from a principal who who remember me subbing. And they had a fifth grade position opened up. And I thought, do you have the wrong number? Like, I've never taught fifth grade before. Uh And she said, well, we remember when you subbed here, 
our school can sometimes not be very kind to substitutes and you never had to any problems. Uh, you never had to call the office or whatever. So mm -hmm. we thought maybe you'd be a good fit. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. Um, and I, and in all honesty, that was, this is supposed to be a short story. Um, I think that was year 12 overall. Uh -huh. And I grew more as a teacher that one year than I had in the, in the 11 previous years, mm -hmm. uh, teaching fifth grade. Uh, so I taught fifth grade that year, and then I taught third grade the next year. The same school had a third grade teacher who had a lot of medical issues. Mm -hmm. um, so she went out. <clears throat> excuse me. I've picked up some like mold or allergies or something since I've been here. Yeah, I don't you're know. just home. That's yeah. all you are. And like, it's, it's never home. been like this before, but yeah. I took my temperature. It's, it's I'm good. You, you, got, yeah. you got too you got too much of that uh, that seawater. I guess. Well, yeah. the you know, and we're we're constantly the well, you got a couple different things, right? All the all of the the wildfires on the west coast, right. all the all the because the whole world's on fire. Yeah, right? it's, yeah, literally, it's just on fire. So I tell people, man, we're in we're in the little like we're in one of the very few places on the face of this planet that I mean, we're not completely safe from every you know threading. Right. threatening function of, of climate change but we are better off than a lot of places right yeah uh so anyway yeah sorry i hope that's no, not too no, distracting no. to You're fine. keep taking a nip in my bottle there no 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 no, no. Um, right, please please you gotta get liquored up here right <laughs> right yeah, that's all i've done all day that's all i've done all day um so yeah so uh sub my first year out there fifth grade third grade and then uh, this school year will be my third year doing seventh grade, which is a, a realm I absolutely did not ever want to set foot in. Uh -huh. uh, I can remember when I was at SIU and uh, you know, folks were like, oh, you should get your middle school endorsement. No, no, I shouldn't. I don't want to be part of that. Um, but it's, you know, someone just yesterday, another uh, re a retired teacher uh, asked me like, oh, what's that like? Or how do you, I think she ordered like, oh, how do you like seventh grade? Uh -huh. And I said, uh, a lot better than I thought I would. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, uh, I think part of it is most of the time I'm like, I'm on their maturity level. Mm -hmm. So that makes it easy. I'm <laughs> telling takes, you, man. It takes one to teach one. My, uh, my, my, my kids, my kids are, are going into sixth grade now. Mm -hmm. And the best way to be a parent in that sense is to just be them. Mm-hmm. And then also let them be you. Right. And then it turns out you were all just children the whole time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I never mind. There was a line. What there, I don't, I'm going to butcher. I probably shouldn't even started to tell it. But something right. about uh, although we get older, we're all still the person that we were in high school or something like yeah, that. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much I, give or take. Yeah. Well, here's here's what's crazy to me, right? As as getting getting older, um, and and observing. And like reflecting on, and I and I would imagine you probably had some similar things. Just working the truck stop, right? Mm -hmm. That all of a sudden you realize that these people that were adults and you thought just automatically should command some sort of authority because they're older, and that's what you've been told that adults are adults. And mm -hmm. da, 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 da. you're just like, no. It turns out this 50 year old person is just as much of a you know <laughs> a moron person as, their, <laughs> as as whatever their 15 year old counterpart would be, mm -hmm. and. Your person, your person. It doesn't matter in age or uh, or whatever else. It's it's you know the words that come out of your mouth and the actions that yeah uh, you know that come out of your mind and, and all that. Yeah, and and just like hearing you say that makes me think of my dad because that you know dad never 
dad never really spoke those lessons necessarily, uh-huh. but that is, I mean, almost to a T, that's something that I could have heard my dad say. Uh, I, I definitely know that's how he was or how he is. Like he, you know, yeah. just because someone's, you know, like you said, older and adult, like, I don't know if they're still a moron. They're still, you know, like, I don't, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, <laughs> there are times like I'll just, whatever's in my mind, like I'll kind of say it or whatever. And someone's like, oh, that's not very nice. I thought, well, I was raised to be honest, not nice. Yeah. So, sorry. Tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, you, you get you get that kind of even difference in interaction of people that that don't understand that people are people and approachable in a, in a very you know uh, in a very uh, you know individual way versus those that you know would still see you out and about and go, oh my gosh, it's Mr. Tao, and then yeah. <laughs> start texting friends and calling friends. I can't believe he's out here. Do you guys see him? Ah! Yeah. Like, do you want an autograph? What do you want? Go away. Like, <laughs> this is, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, and I know we, you know, kind of talked about that a little bit before. Like that, that's one of two outcomes for when I see former students like out at the bars. Like yeah. it's happened, you know, a couple times, uh, you know, that I've been in town now, like at the cellar. And it, it goes one of two ways. It's always like, oh, hey, like, oh, you're back in town. Like, oh, you know, it's nice to see you, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Like in a very adult conversation. Uh-huh. And then the flip side is <laughs> let's make a big deal out of it. Let's like, I, 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 I can remember, I'm gonna try my best to tell this story without any names. Um, I was at, this is why I'm still living here and teaching Carmen to high school. Um, I was at Midland uh, with a friend of mine. It was like, you know, early evening. It wasn't like we were all like sloshed uh-huh. um, and had a margarita. And within about 2.4 seconds, it was all over Snapchat in Carmdale because there was a there was a family there who I'm uh, there was a family there and the not just the daughter but the mom uh-huh. oh, and I good like Lord. and I can what? see like and then yeah next day at school oh that's what everyone was talking about oh like, my god are you kidding me come on like I'm a grown ass man yeah like <laughs> how sad is your life that that's what you're doing but. I guess it comes with the territory. <laughs> uh, that's but that's like it's silly that that should be territory that being a a teacher comes with, right? Like if you want somebody to to model behavior, you would want them to model behavior after somebody who's a realistic character, yeah. not after somebody who's trying to provide this like sanitized version right. of reality to your kids. Because guess what, it's your not kids real. are gonna have to operate in this real world whether you like it or not. Right. And also, uh, it's after three oh eight. It's after so. three oh eight. You know, I uh, another kind of connection to that. And this, I'm, I'm going to, str- I'm going to struggle to make it through this story, because uh, it, it like it just happened. Um, I think it was uh, Wednesday. Um, Take a drink now. Yeah, hide behind the water. <laughs> what I yeah, like I yeah, whatever. Take your time. Take it's, your time. If I'm starting to get emotional, I know it's coming, and I try to tell a story, and I hear my voice crack. That's all uh-huh. it takes. And it's like done. <laughs> like what? There's like, what's the connection? <laughs> Something going on in the brain, man. Yeah. You can't help it. Oh. Um, so I'll, I'll condense this story as, um, as much as I can to kind of to power through it. Um, so I former student Wednesday night. Um, and, uh, you know, and it, it, it was, it was the, uh, the preferred version of interaction. Yeah. You know, how's it going? Blah, 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 blah. And I can tell that um, this person's getting very emotional, yeah. and this person um, outed themselves to me and said that, and it, 
it, it caught me off guard. Not, not just that, but the story the person told behind it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, was, I was very flattered. And you know, the, the person was saying that when I was in high school and I uh, was in your class, like I, 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 at that point I was figuring out who I was. Yeah. And this person told me that it meant so much to me okay there we go <laughs> i'll cry with you man don't yeah. worry don't worry i'm here i'm here for you i'm here with it um <laughs> you know just to um just to know that you <laughs> i wasn't gonna do it <laughs> take another sip man take another sip it's all right <laughs> just you know just to know that Although it was never a, like it was never a topic that was discussed yeah. uh, in my class or, or anything, uh, that that person knew that they they were in a place where not not that you will like I tolerate you like yeah. no like I I like embrace you're you. yeah like embraced accepted whatever like whatever. Um, and then you know this person just starts you know profusely apologizing like oh this is you know I'm I'm so sorry like blah 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 like you know I'm like I I appreciate that you I I appreciate you told me that yeah and I said I didn't have that person when I was you know I think this person would have been 16 17 yeah I didn't have that person to help figure things out so I I'm flattered that you know that you you know that not only that you told me, but I, it means something to me to know that um, I was that person for you yeah. then. So now let's take a I shot. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and forget about it. Just drown them all the way. Right. Well, the, I mean, hey, you know what? Listen, if you're going to if you're going to have a good cry, right, you're in the right place. You're in the right bars. Right. right? Like, like that's where you should. Uh, where you should be, and now and now you've got that uh, now you got that quality moment that will reverberate over the years. Yeah, and <laughs> you know what? It, yeah, it, it, yeah, and I'm still like that just happened. I think it was just Wednesday um, that that happened. And I'm still kind of like still kind of processing that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's I, it's yeah. I, as I'm you know stammering to even you know add on to that story, it just you know like I. I wanted to. I wanted to accept. I wanted to accept the compliment on you know on the person's behalf, and I just yeah. like, oh, I'm not, no big deal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that yeah. But the 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 replication of that right is is the thing that becomes the the heavier component to to think about. In that this is just one person who expressed to you right. the one interaction that that's replicated in dozens of ways that you may never know about, and right. that's okay but to have that to have that one interaction you can benchmark the importance of you in so many other people's lives Woo. Ha! <laughs> all right next <laughs> uh, jackson county historical society you're talking right. about doing some writing and kind of uh, and kind of getting into some some work with them uh, i'd like to at some point in time connect with some of those folks for podcasts i think that would be really um, really fun just to talk to some people that, uh, you know, what, I mean, what motivates, uh, you know, the people behind an organization like that, uh, to do what they do, um, you know, and, and, to, and to just 
put these stories on display and not just do that, but like put in the, the work behind the scenes and then do the fundraising and, you know, hold the space and preserve the record and do all these other things that, uh, that are just tenuous in general. Um, I think they, um, I think they maybe realize and I, and I, this is something that I've learned just probably over the past couple of years, because um, I know you know all all nonprofits, whatever, are struggling for volunteers. Yeah. And I think they feel, and probably rightfully so, that at any moment, and I'm I'm thinking now I'm like transitioning to their specific organization. Yeah. I think they maybe realize that at any moment this whole thing could be over. Yeah. Because if we don't have you know a volunteer to come in you know on these certain days or whatever we're not going to be open and if that's just going to perpetuate then we're going to be open and then like now we can't pay for the building and like where are all these records where are all these um uh you know photographs and and documents and all this stuff where is it going to go um so i think that is um i think that's what's really kind of driving them to be more uh more public mm -hmm. uh because when i was involved i mean obviously this was you know when I was first kind of involved, that was way before social media, Facebook, or anything. Um, oh, has it been that? Okay, I didn't realize yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm a hundred. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I think now it's to you know to try to appeal to to younger folks, uh, which is you know which is cool. Um, yeah, and to and to show because I I also feel that there are a lot of people who don't realize that resource is here, mm -hmm. um, and you know, history nerd alert. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I should have worn my history nerd t-shirt uh, yeah. tonight. Um, the Jackson County Historical Society, I, in all you know, the traveling, researching I've done in, in libraries and whatnot, they have, I think, one of the best uh, facilities I've ever been to. Yeah. Um, a lot, a lot of, of Jackson County history. And one of the things they are, and this is, maybe this is like, here's my, my pitch. Um, <laughs> there you go. One of the things they are really trying to do is get uh, more Carbondale stuff, because uh -huh. uh, I can remember um, when I was involved, um, you know, handful of years ago. One of the um, one one of the people who was there a lot, the volunteer that kind of whatever. <laughs> yeah. There, there was always this like, well, Carbondale's Carbondale, and we only want like Murfreesboro history stuff. I'm like, yeah. well, that's the same county. Like, this yeah. is the Jackson County Jackson Historical County Society. Society. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I am very happy to see when I was home last summer, um, went down, did some research, and a lot of the new volunteers, I think, were actually uh, some folks who had worked for the university for years and had retired yeah. from there, and they uh, are working there now. And I told them, like, to me, like, Knowing how it was in the past, it's really cool to to me to see a lot more Carbondale involvement, yeah. because I can remember a handful of times that somebody would come in with uh, you know stuff from Carbondale. Some uh, grandparent passed away, found this mm -hmm. stuff in the attic, and it was like, oh, this is all Carbondale stuff. Or, you, know, you know, maybe the Carbondale Library would want it or mm -hmm. whatever. I'm like, it's the same county. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, but anyway, it's a seven minute drive. Yeah, come on. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's kind of uh, where they're at. Um, I'm glad to see them do the, uh, I think uh, I think Nick Quigley is the person who does the, uh, they almost, almost daily, like a daily post they do. Yeah, like no, I mean, they're, they're on it. Like yeah. they're, they're not messing around. Right. And I mean, they, they get traction. I mean, they, mm -hmm. you know, you've got, you've got some of the different groups that are hyper relevant to the stuff that they share. And I mean, they, they make the rounds. They're, yeah. 
they really are a powerhouse in that sense. And it's kind of cool just to know that it's there's university folks kind of associated with it now, knowing, I mean, just how much of a resource that the archives that, you know, and I can't remember, I know that John's not, he, he's not, he's not hands-on with, with this. I, I just, I remember sending him a project several months ago, like right after we had the podcast call, I was like, ah, John, I got this thing, blah, blah, can you, can you help me out? And I was like, I'll, I'll connect you to the person. And that was that. I handed him off to the person and, and they kind of figured out what, what they could or couldn't do uh, from there. But there, there's just so much that, that is, that, that is recorded that does exist. Sure. Through the college, through right. the university, and and how that could just connect and that that crossover between you know what the historical society has and can do and what the university has and can right. do. Right. Because Morris Library is having doing the same thing now. They've been going back through. I think it was like. 69, 70, 71, yeah. they would send f people out to all these little towns around here and yep. just document daily life. And they now are sharing a lot of that stuff. Yep. Um, super, yeah, super cool, yeah. It's, uh, I think, I think uh, Tony is one of the, uh, Biddle is one of the guys that, uh, that is actively working, working on that. And it's just, it's just yeah, it's neat to see. Yeah. Um, and th this is, you know, it's, it's one thing you're just like, oh, well, we stumble across some photos every now and then. Something that we're really good about, it seems, across multiple you know institutions and organizations uh, here, just specifically in Jackson County, uh, is that that there's like purposeful dissemination of this media, and maybe maybe this is one of the things that's kind of the trick to modernizing the staying power of the story. Right. Right, you know, we we talked about earlier about oh well, you know, how do you how do you get people to really take in and absorb this? Maybe this is it. Maybe yeah. it's right under our nose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's been there all along. Yeah, <laughs> and it really was just your work to begin with, going and finding some pictures, going yeah. and finding some text, and going from there. So you so you like the you like the writing thing? You think you're gonna you're gonna stick it out for some more projects? Yeah, I yeah, it's it's for whatever reason, writing has always. Uh, been something that's came very easy to me. Uh -huh. um, I mean, I, I you know I had I had some good teachers uh, both in high school um, and at SIU. Uh, they really helped me hone my craft, as, <laughs> as we say. Um, yeah, I, I, like I said, it, it just when I you know was was younger because I'm to the point where I can make statements like that now. Yeah. Uh, How old are you, Michael? I, I uh, I'm in the shadows of forty. I'll the be, shadows I'll, of yeah, forty. I'll be forty. <laughs> In April. So you're you're I mean the entirety of your career period dot com is teaching from from day one essentially that you jumped out of college and right into literally yeah I um, my first year teaching at Elkville I was uh, I turned twenty two in April then school started um, in August yeah. yeah I've you know yeah that's the only career I've had I've had other you know kind of odd jobs or side jobs you know here and there along the way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like college jobs or summer jobs or whatever. So, hmm. but that, yeah, that's been the only career. Um, yeah. And then the, the writing thing is, you know, I, I like the way it's going. Um, yeah. I just want to keep going. I know my free time or my, my free time is going to be greatly reduced in a couple of weeks when yeah. school restarts, but. But I mean, even, even if you just kind of approach it from a, you know, maybe, maybe writing and breaks, you know, breaks are the times to pick up writing. Right. right? I, you know, I don't know how much, um, you know, you, you clear off your plate. I'm sure there's still, you know, plenty of preparation that occurs 
between semesters, both mm-hmm. you know winter and fall and all all that jazz. But just being able to really like identify these are some chunks of time that I'm going to dedicate right. to a project and just see what develops from there. Right. Is there is there anything outside of just here in, in this regional history in baseball that you're looking at, or is it kind of those are those are two things that you like and you might stick with? Uh, pro- I would probably stick with it. Um, I'm just thinking, you know, like kind of like what's on my on the the back burner or whatever. Um, everything that I've written that's that's been published has been some aspect of local history. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going through the file cabinet in my mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, everything's been some aspect of local history, but at the same time, like maybe you know it's tying into to national trends or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I did uh, in grad school with my master's thesis. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it's kind of been local local history stuff that has you know been forgotten, or local history stuff that does have a bigger significance outside mm-hmm. of the area. Well, and it, and it seems like that is a the the modern documentarian, the modern um, reporter, the 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 modern storyteller, uh, you know, just for kind of general consumption has turned to, well, I, I don't just need to tell this massive overarching story that only hits on very key figures that everybody could and should or would know, but that we're gonna we're gonna drill down to, you know, the the you know, unique personality that exists at, you know, some very what would otherwise be considered in, in, insignificant or or you know, uh, something that isn't considered a, a, a point in history or a place in history, and then elevating that, and all of a sudden that becomes the representation of this point in time or this activity or, or what have you. Right. Yeah, that reminds me of one of the things that's kind of on, on one of the, the back burners. I have a, I have a very large stove. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, the, you know, this kind of happened, um, you know, over, over the past year and a half. Um, um, with with the murder of George Floyd and and Black Lives Matter still being relevant, uh, I can remember uh, Mike Jones at the uh, the General Logan Museum in Murfreesboro. He you know does all their their Facebook stuff, and so at, you know as the national events are happening, uh, uh, Mike would post uh, excerpts from speeches that Johnny Logan gave. Mm-hmm. I just like it. It struck me like like this is a speech we could hear and, and today and mm-hmm. still has relevance. And because I, 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 I hope I'm not like misreporting or misremembering the way this all kind of happened, but there was a there was a conversation on the on the General Johnny Logan Museum Facebook page about would would General Logan have supported Black Lives Matter if he were alive today or if that movement was in his era, and Mike Jones is like, well, absolutely, like, yeah. and, and then he he posted a lot and. And a lot of folks around here don't know that and don't realize that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so anyway, back to the point. Uh, Jones would, would post a lot of these, like, excerpts of speeches. And I, I, I texted Mike and I said, has, has, has anyone ever done, like, a collected works of, uh, of Johnny Logan, like his, uh, especially his speeches? Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, nope. And ding, there's that. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah, that, I, you know. Um, I mean, I, that, that's something that I feel needs to be done. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I just remember when uh, when I was uh, when I was writing my master's thesis, I, I came across this quote. 
from Frederick Douglass that when, uh, when Giant Logan died, um, Douglas, and I'm going to paraphrase, but I, I yeah. remember the gist of what he said. Douglas said something along the lines of uh, the black man has lost the, has lost the best friend it ever had mm -hmm. uh, when Logan died. Because, you know, Logan was very involved in education uh, for the freed people uh, after the war, uh, very much a supporter of civil rights. Um, you know, Logan, Logan did a complete 180 in his career because mm -hmm. early on he was not a not a, a, uh, a friendly person uh, to black folks. Um, but yeah, and it, so it was just cool just seeing that, I guess kind of maybe that redemption within him. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I know he had, um, when he goes off to fight in, uh, in the war, he had never seen slavery really firsthand. Mm -hmm. And I can remember uh, reading the Gary Esselbarger biography of Logan and there were, um, I think he maybe found some letters that Logan had written home, mm -hmm. and there were, there were two or three significant moments where, where Logan, they are marching up on a plantation, mm -hmm. and he sees slavery firsthand for what it was, and he's just, he's like, this is not at all what I thought it was, and this is not, this, it was, it was, so anyway, whatever. It was very, very eye-opening to him. Um, so yeah, I would that'd be cool to kind of look at those speeches, um, you know, because he was, and what was even more impressive was, like, he didn't have to be that progressive at his time. Like he could have, you know, he could have very easily been, like probably the majority, and 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 not been uh, a proponent for civil rights at that time, and no one would have batted an eye. Mm -hmm. um, and that was one of the things that was very impressive to me. So, that's a project on the on the list. That, I mean, that's, that's one of those types of projects, though, that you do it right, yeah. it, it opens up a whole new world of, of impact and context in, a, in an already very far-reaching uh, you know, story that yeah. you know, is really one of the key tenets of everything about the modern America's, American system. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, just people... People want to uh, reduce the impact that history has on the here and now. I think this kind of wraps up all of what you kind of referenced multiple times throughout this conversation is that there is so much context of what has gotten us here to its application on the life that we live today. Yeah. What that, re what that reminded me of... Um I've got a story for everything. Uh, <laughs> that should be on your tombstone. <laughs> right? A story for everything. I, uh, Michael I, Tao. Yeah. <laughs> I tell my students, like, um, something like, uh, like, all my stories are true, even the ones that I'm making up. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what you said reminded me of this, this, this conversation that I had with, uh, with a student when I was teaching at Elkville. Um, you know, the American Civil War was always my, uh, my, my focus. Um, and not, I don't mean like, you know, this many thousand people were killed here, whatever. whatever. Like, we can Wikipedia that. Yeah. Like, like the why. Like, how, how did we get where we were and where have we came since or where have we gotten to since? Um, the, so I would always do, when, when I was teaching, like, the chapter before, like, the actual, like, battles of the Civil War, um, it was kind of like an essay project where... Um, the students had to write, and it didn't have to be really long, like a three-page paper on what caused the war, mm -hmm. like what was the cause of the war. So then I would spend about three weeks um, 
I had purposefully not covered certain events from you know, 1620 to 1861. Mm -hmm. um, I had purposely not covered certain events so that I could put them into categories and then teach them to you. So for example, if um, I would give them four options, like your paper has to be about either states' rights caused the war, slavery caused the war, economics caused the war, or uh, basically just like, um, like poor leadership at the time caused the war, I think were the, were the four, anyway. And then, so then I would go back and I would say like, you know, here are, here are these events that um, if you think economics caused the war, here are some events that would be good to talk about and analyze in your paper. If you thought it was states' rights, blah, 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 blah. And then of course they would ask, well, what, like, what do you think caused the war? I'm like, well, I'm not gonna tell you that. Like, I'm not gonna read a hundred papers that all say the same thing that I think, like you, you do it. And then when we're done, then I'll tell you. Yeah. So then, you know, they did that project, and then, like, then the day after that was done, uh, I would uh, on the on the whiteboard I would write no slavery, no civil war, and then under I would write no K N O W slavery, K N O W civil war. I'm like, what do you mean? And I'm like, that's the th if whatever if no other argument holds water, that's the only one of these causes that you can't mark off the list. That one pops up in everything. And I had a student that lost it, and he was not happy about that, and he disagreed uh, very vehemently with my, uh, with my statement that slavery is what caused the war. And he, um, basically he was saying, you know, my, uh, whatever, however many greats, you know, grandfather, uh, they were from Tennessee, they fought for the Confederacy, they were poor, they didn't have slaves, they weren't blah, 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 blah. I said, you're, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that your grandfather, this person, that person went and fought because of this thing. I'm saying slavery is what made the war happen. And, and the, but he, he dug in. And so, the, you know, it, whatever, kept going, kept going, kept going. And what just kept, like, what struck me, and this is the thing that you said that triggered this memory, uh, it's like about identity. And I thought, this, this person that you are defending, you didn't know him. Like, th like this was a person you never knew. This was 150 years ago. Like, it, I, am, I am genuinely, cons I am, I am genuinely, genuinely questioning why is it so important to you whether or not this person fought for or against slavery? Like, that's just, that's very interesting to me. Um, this whole idea of, of identity, uh, like our historical identity, our memory, like our historical memory. And I've had so many conversations, you know, and we could go off on this and have another whole other episode about seeing the Confederate flag in Southern Illinois. Like, and it's, yeah, it's like, it's just so strange to me. Like in the number of folks who I am certain their ancestors, you know, fought for the union, but now they are so, you know, they, they, they identify so strongly, whatever. Like I know there's so other issues, but blah, 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 whatever. So back to my, back to the point of what I was getting at, like well, the thing that you said was like this, this idea of like the identity and why, why is who you are, why does part of who you are need to be based on this thing, you know, the, the Civil War, like your Confederate ancestors or whatever. And like a, another kind of, you know, caveat to that, whenever I first got involved in like doing genealogy stuff, family history stuff, um, I had um, a direct ancestor that had fought in the American Revolution, 
and you know you can uh, get uh, membership like to the Sons of the American Revolution. You're like, oh, that's kind of cool because it like basically like, it documents your research. Mm -hmm. And then I went to a few meetings, and I thought, I don't have any like I don't have anything in common with any of you people, mm -hmm. and I'm kind of like I kind of like peek behind the curtain to kind of see what this is all about. Oh, man, we all look alike here. Interesting. I wonder if that's maybe on purpose that this organization was made for that reason. Interesting. So anyway, you know, just another example of why, why do folks need part of their identity to be based on something that's A, so long ago, B, something that's not really necessarily always accurate. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the, whole, the whole time that you were going through that, and, and, I, and I, love, I, I love that that's kind of the punctuation to our conversation. Because um, that, that, really, you know, that, that really gives some, some quality insight there into a, a national topic right now. And I'm not going to say the three letters. Mm -hmm. Or the words associated. We're just going to end the podcast and, and be done. You know what they are. Are the three letters WTF? No. Yeah. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> Cha -cha. Um, but I mean that that was just that was just so that was that was just such a just a, a poignant sticking point and and that you 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 gave uh, clear insight into an issue that is covering this entire country. Right, that your one individual interaction there, again, is replicable in tens of thousands of scenes in classrooms throughout this country where people are having to navigate this space young and then in public at the same time. And somebody who is, I will say, qualified professional like yourself has to work through this with them because there's a reality behind all of the feelings. Sure. Yeah, then at the end of the um, day, right. there, there, is, there, is, there is what you want to feel and is, there is what you can know to be true. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Yeah, and, it's, you know, and that's definitely a, a, I did a lot of learning on the topic. You know, again, growing up in a truck stop in Murfreesboro, yeah. you could imagine probably what my early views were and mm -hmm. what I picked up on um, what I picked up on hearing and, and whatever seeing yep um and yeah when I, again i when i you know kind of dug a little bit deeper and learned like well why are these things the way they are mm -hmm. and i thought that doesn't really align with what i i'm not gonna say it's what i was taught uh i you know i, I was never um what you would have observed what in i situations. right right I, I, yeah i don't yeah it's what i just picked up on yeah. like i was never set like this is, you know it wasn't anything you know like direct is just what I observed and, and picked up on. And, and I've, you know, I've told my students this many times, like, I could have very easily gone down another path mm -hmm. based upon that, that hard wiring. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it, it, it's difficult to unwire those things, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm definitely glad that I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, we, we have, uh, you know, we have some, um, like some of our training, like for school, uh, you know, we talk about these issues, like how to, to, you know, uh, teach or how to, whatever, how to navigate through these issues mm -hmm. if they come up in the classroom or whatever. And again, this, I don't want the, like, 
not that I'm the expert here, I should be speaking, <laughs> but I just, you know, like, I see a lot of folks who are, I'm just going to, I'm going to speak my truth. <laughs> I see a lot of folks who are leading those uh, presentations who have not had to do any of that challenging work. Yeah. They've not had to, they weren't, they weren't raised in an ugly place and, and then thought, mm, no, I don't want to, I don't want to be like that. They think that they're just like the pure version of whatever. Yeah. Well, because I've never had this negative thought or because I've yeah. never said that, that uh, you know, that racist word or because I've never, uh, you know, been encouraged to exclude somebody based on uh, their religion or something else to, to that effect, mm -hmm. right? That simply because they haven't had that, that they're somehow right. on, that on I a different could, tier. I could never do that yeah. because I haven't yet. Yeah. The reality is, you know, especially for young folks, right? If you're able to have an experience like that and know why, right? Like to, to experience racism from the point of having a racist thought or committing a racist action gives you a much clearer picture of why you shouldn't be a racist. Right. Right? Like plain and simple. Yeah. Huh. Well, <laughs> Imagine the, yeah. how that works. It's like, hey, maybe, uh, you know, maybe <clears throat> crashing your car gives you uh, an understanding of why you should, uh, you know, keep, uh, keep both hands on the wheel. Yeah. Right? And mm -hmm. anywho. So mm -hmm. that's it, man. I'm, 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 I pushed you into an hour and 15 minutes on this one. I could, I could keep going. We could talk <laughs> baseball. We could talk. <laughs> Here's the deal. We, we will talk. And we will talk on a future episode of the WTF Carverdale podcast. Um, because... Michael comes home, and at some point in time, we'll see him again. Right. <laughs> Episode 83, have a good one, folks. Whatever that one may be.